Not here. Captain! Signatures detected. Shield up. Signatures detected. Context Southfleet Command. What's happening? Context Southfleet Command. Delay that order. Context Southfleet Command. This is the captain. Context Southfleet Command. Get out of my chair. 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 We have engaged the Klingons. Klingons? Klingons? Welcome to The Greatest Discovery. It's a new Star Trek podcast from the makers of The Greatest Generation. I'm Ben Harrison. I'm Adam Pranica. We've got a schedule now, Adam, for the uh, for the release of Prodigy, and it's not as bad as we had worried it might be. I mean, it's bad in some ways. What are you talking about? What I read is that it's 20 episodes this season. Tw- it is 20 episodes, except for it's only 10 coming out in the foreseeable future, and then Episodes 11 through 20 are TBA toward the end of next year. Mm. I'm excited for multi-mid-season cliffhangers. <laughs> like, what better way to introduce a child to Star Trek than Gwyn choosing to fire on on Dal after being assimilated by the Borgs <laughs> multiple times a season? A kid's got to learn. This is what happens on Star Trek. It sure is, Adam. But next week's episode, episode... Five by their fucked up numbering scheme it airs on November 18th, which is the same day as Discovery season four premieres, and yeah. then they go on hiatus until the beginning of January. Oh. They're celebrating the return of Star Trek Prodigy on January 6th, one of our favorite days of the calendar. I did not know this. I'm learning this in the moment. So we are not going to have two Star Trek series at the same time? Damn straight. Always wanted to do that, man. We'll have one day of that, and then uh, and then blessedly they're going to give us a fucking break. Wow. That's good news. It's great news. I think probably what will happen is we will give a light coverage of episode five of Prodigy <laughs> in next week's episode's Marin. Yeah. We might talk about it for five minutes. The, where the A story is like... Gwyn flies the ship, and the B story is Murph takes a dump somewhere. <laughs> these these episodes are very light on the story. Yeah, that's true. That's true. We could recap this on a pamphlet. <laughs> it's true. I don't really get the sense that there's like a huge groundswell of support of adult Star Trek fans that are loving Prodigy. But is that am I, am I wrong? What are we seeing on the internet? I mean, I'm I'm seeing Brie Belke's enthusiasm, but but she's like Star Trek's biggest fan, Janeway's biggest fan, crucially. Yeah. And even if it's a hologram of Janeway, Brie Belke is there for it. <laughs> yeah, uh, Brie Belke is shipping hollow Janeway Murph relationship here. <laughs> H slash M. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I'm going to get the recap bins once Discovery starts again, because talk about story rich. Yeah. I mean, those it's, episodes are, are story thick, for sure. Yeah. They are. They tend to be very dense, definitely. Not a lot of babies being thrown into fires on Prodigy like there are uh, in Star Trek Discovery. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, we've only seen a few episodes, so it could change. Yeah. Yeah. My my theory of it turning into a really fucked up Lord of the Flies type storyline uh, has not like there's nothing that has happened so far that would lead me to believe that that can't still happen. Yeah, we can't take that off the table quite yet. Maybe by the mid season break we'll get something like that. Kill the Murph, spill his blood, cut his throat. <laughs> so that's kind of where I see this going. 
Yeah. Here's hoping they spill a little bit more blood on <laughs> Star Trek Prodigy Season 1, Episode 4, Dreamcatcher. We start with the captain's log, Adam. Uh, our first of Star Trek Prodigy. Captain's log. <sighs> right? And it's not Gwen who should really be the captain of this ship. It is Dal. I like how meta this moment is, right? Like... The log is about how Hollow Janeway is teaching everyone how to be the crew of a ship, but she's clearly also taught Dal the importance of recording a captain's log if you're the captain. Yeah, you got to keep a log if you're the captain. They let a uh, photon torpedo go, and uh, I'm sure that real Janeway would have snapped a pencil if she knew that they were just (laughs) wasting torpedoes like this. Yeah, yeah. who knows if there might be an inexhaustible amount of these on the protostar. They're zipping around in the D quad and we actually get our first bit of information about how close they might be to the A quad because they come across an uncharted M class planet in the Herogen system. And as of this record on our hit Star Trek podcast, The Greatest Generation, we have not gotten to the Herogen yet, but they are a a key, like, middle-of-Voyager villain species. Yeah, so did you have some expectations when you heard that name? I mean, I was like, these kids are going to fucking die. (laughs) (laughs) Finally, spill their blood. (laughs) That's great. Uh, If if they are cadets in Starfleet, they've got a gerb, and that is explore strange new worlds and uh, collect samples and and check it out. This is a real, what do you mean there's homework during summer break kind of kind of situation. (laughs) Did you read this entire book? Yeah. Yeah. Did you, oh, I'm, I'm positive I know the answer to this question. Like your parents emphasized doing schoolwork during the summer also, right? They got the little books with the the math problems and all that. My parents definitely encouraged, not encouraged, they made us do homework. I didn't have like extra non-school assigned homework over the summer, but I definitely had homework over the summer. Usually usually two or three books yeah. I had to have under my belt by the time I got back. The Fountainhead. I don't think I ever had to like write a paper about anything or, or whatever over the summer though. Or do a math problem. Mm. Heaven forfend. Give me a break. Atlas shrugged. (laughs) (laughs) That is not the kind of school I went to. Uh, Not the type of high school I went to. I'll put it that way. (laughs) While this moment doesn't hold up too well logically, this is a good opportunity to teach a new person to Star Trek about Star Trek and what Starfleet does. Exploring is what Starfleet does, so you guys are going to go exploring. Well, it also kind of made me wonder, like, does Hollow Janeway know how far away from the threatened Federation oversight she actually is? Because she tells Dal, like, oh, this is going to be your ass if Starfleet finds out you didn't explore this strange new world. And he's, like, sitting there making the argument, like, fuck that. Mm -hmm. The Diviner could catch us if we leave the ship. We're not doing it. And... He believes her. I wonder, does she believe that? This moment got my attention too, Ben. Like, has she been in contact with Starfleet the whole time? Or is this just stick versus carrot to get these cadets to do something? Is Hollow Janeway tricking them into heading toward 
Federation space? Does she not know? Does Dal understand how far they are from Federation space? It makes Hollow Janeway such a more interesting character if she knows everything and is just trying to convince the crew of what it would take to return the ship back to Federation care. Yeah. And it's, I think, something that would be entirely lost on a little kid or a new Star Trek viewer. But I'm I'm very curious to see whether that is a thing that develops over time with this show. Um, yeah, with respect to Hollow Janeway convincing a crew of children <laughs> to work for her... <laughs> In what ways does that run afoul of the Prime Directive? I mean, I think it's obvious that she should search for their parents here in this quadrant rather than trying to get this, them to pilot the starship back to the Alpha Quadrant. But uh, morally speaking, like, in what way is Hollow Janeway better than the Diviner? Are you planning on making a Hollow Janeway plate and will that plate be, in <laughs> fact, a hologram? <laughs> I'll take my answer on my way to the merch room because I really want to see if there's that plate in there. Get a life! So they steer the ship towards this planet and the atmospheric entry scene oh, shit. is, I think, one of the more beautiful moments in the show, certainly, but that Star Trek has done in a long time. Yeah. It was breathtaking to watch. And I'm glad they gave it the room to breathe that it got. Yeah, I think less room than it would have gotten in a live action. Like they didn't have go to blue alert and cutting around to wonderment on the faces of of the crew. It's, It's mostly done in wide shots, but boy, what nice looking wide shots. Yeah, they save the wonderment on the faces of the crew for after everyone lands. And this landing is pretty rough. There's a, there's a for some reason, skid that, mm-hmm. that the ship uses to come to a stop. This is a lot like, have you noticed on commercial airplanes, like there's, there is like a skid on the, on the tail section. So if there's a tail strike oh. on takeoff, like if a plane over rotates on takeoff and hits the runway... Before it's it does, achieved it, there's, like speed. There's like a bumper there. Yeah. This reminded me of that skid <laughs> in that it's like kind of impervious to damage. Man. I mean, the the best thing I that ever happened to me with regard to a skid was when uh, <laughs> my my roommate took a shit. In yeah. <laughs> I mean, I saw the sign at the beginning of the trail, Ben. <laughs> in our senior year toilet and left a skid mark. And then my other roommate used that skid mark to form the I in a word in the word skid and and wrote the other letters with a permanent marker in the toilet. <laughs> Sometimes I like to joke that you went to a weird tennis academy college and then every time I hear that story, I'm like, you definitely didn't. <laughs> so they've landed on planet Half Donut and there's some nice territorial shots panning over it and they get some some gear for their trip out onto the surface from hollow Janeway. I like these this are scene. Tr- tricorders and phasers for the smartphone era. Yeah. They look good. They look good. They're very distinct from uh, tricorders and phasers that we've seen before. I would say that the phasers maybe match up a little bit more to the 
Voyager era dustbuster, mm-hmm. but they have like bright, colorful touch panels on them. They've completely gotten rid of the buttons in favor of the touch panel. It's new computer day. I think everyone knows this feeling when you get to unbox your thing or you're given a new device. It feels yeah. good. I love chasing that dragon. Yeah. Mine has already detected a gas sample. <laughs> Guilty. So they're introduced to this gear for the away team, and that's one thing. But then Janeway saves the best for last. It's the hottest toy this holiday season. It's the runaway. A Joan Jet-powered <laughs> land vehicle. They regard it with some importance, and then the crew just sort of turns around and walks down the ramp. I'm like, what the hell? Why aren't we <laughs> driving the runaway around? And that's because Dal is the one to take the runaway. Dal's going to do the hot dogging around the donut planet. I like Jenkin Pog's decision to wear a uh, an EVA suit. Yeah. That, that seems very prudent. We, we, we've already gotten a fart joke with Jankum in this episode, and I feel like if he's ripping ass, it's just good diplomacy to uh, set foot on a new planet and not fart it up, you know? I really love Star Trek's commitment to infinite helmet diversity and infinite <laughs> combinations of spacesuit. Yeah. Like, I love a big fishbowl-style helmet for Pog here. One thing that hit me when he got into this costume is like, man... Children's cartoons, so much of the business model is based on the toys that Mm -hmm. you can get. And before this show started airing, Star Trek.com was flogging news that Playmates was getting back into the Star Trek action figure game with Star Trek Prodigy toys. I'm like, this is already, there's already a variation of Jenkin Pog. You can get standard edition and you can get spacesuit edition. And I, I wonder if we will start to see like, oh, like in this episode, Rock Talk has a different costume, you know? I don't want a Playmates action figure unless all of the accessories are purple plastic. (laughs) Or bright orange. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So they don't use the buddy system. They they all kind of go off in different directions and everybody gets their own storyline. Rock Talk's super sad about them not being together for this mission, but I can't feel bad for Rock Talk because of that nightmarish mouth. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Rock Talk says like, I thought we were doing this together. And everybody's like, close your mouth. Maybe they'll use the break in the season to correct Rock Talk's mouth. (laughs) (laughs) Rock Talk gets in like a really rugged bar fight and those those chompers get knocked out and never get replaced. I would be fine with that. Uh, so, so as she trudges off by herself, we see some slithery tendrils slithering after her. Yeah. Pretty creepy. The music changes too. So, you know, this is going to be a going concern. Maybe this planet actually sucks. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. In the brig where it most certainly does suck, Gwyn has demonstrated what her mind can do by communicating with her armband, which is in a totally separate part of the ship. The yeah, armband she, breaks out of its container. And she kills Murph first. <laughs> first thing she does. Yeah, Murph, did, Murph didn't do anything. Free Murph is what I'm saying. I was fine with what happened with Tuvix. Yeah. Justice for Murph. Just we Murph. Uh <laughs> Get the hashtag going. (laughs) 
Yeah. She does kill a uh, like an exocomp that's rolling around in the hallways. Yeah. Gwyn makes it to the bridge with alacrity, and Janeway is there to greet. And we understand from both her transit to the bridge and everything that she does there that Gwyn knows how to run this ship, and it's because her dad taught her how. Yeah, she kind of goes through her CV like... Uh... Rambo-like. Thanks for some pretty interesting reading. She knows everything she needs to know about running the ship. Another uh, case for why she should probably be the captain. I mean, she needs to decolonize her mind because, like, her first choice after getting out is like, hey, let's call, like, the scariest guy in the fucking show. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I had been wanting to figure out what alien species Gwyn was from the start. I did not expect her to be Cherokee German. It's a hell of a combination. <laughs> <laughs> Why is Dreadnought picking up the phone on the uh on the scimitar, Adam? Like shouldn't shouldn't I think you let that call go to coming voicemail. in from Gwyn go straight to the uh diviner? Yeah, I think so. I they think just so. like wanted to get Dreadnought another scene in the episode, I think. Like the it's the only time Dreadnought has a line, right? I mean, you brought in a Jimmy Simpson. You gotta yeah. give him some lines. I guess so. She has also gotten uh, Hollow Janeway like reprogrammed to be a little bit nicer to her. Yeah. <laughs> Further evidence that Federation security is a fucking joke. I have tried so many meal services over the years. After all, I am a podcast host. And I got to tell you, Factor Meals is my favorite. Why? Because I can go from what am I going to have for dinner to eating a great dinner in exactly two minutes with Factor Meals. And don't sleep on their smoothies either. I got six of these in the box this week. Mango, tropical fruit, strawberry or banana. They're all amazing. They're like meal supplements I can enjoy while I'm on the go. Head to factormeals.com slash trek50 and use the code trek50 to get 50% off. Again, that's the code trek50 at factormeals.com slash trek50 to get 50% off. What do you think of when you think of male grooming? Maybe it's a sharp haircut and a little bit of product, or a bit of the old beard wax twisted into the ends of a mustache. Maybe it's a shower, a shave, a little spritz of fragrance. Me? I think of shaving my nuts. And not just my nuts, all around those nuts. I'm talking all around those nuts. And this form of male grooming is hard to do when your junk looks like a log of Play-Doh rolled through a dustpan in a barber shop. It's wrinkly, it's wriggly, nothing stays in place, and it's the one area where you don't want to have an accident. That's why I'm glad we're sponsored by the spring cleaning champions at Manscaped. They sent me their brand new Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra. It's their fifth generation trimmer, featuring two interchangeable next-gen skin-safe blade heads, a standard one for taking a little bit off the top, and a new foil blade to go smooth, wherever your heart desires. They also sent me an extra-large Manscaped t-shirt, which I will never wear, but it was nice of them to do. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code TREK at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code TREK at manscaped.com. Nothing like a little spring cleaning in your pants. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. 
Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Meanwhile, we cut around a bunch to the separated away team going on their own separate adventure. Zero encounters a hedge maze. Pog <laughs> confronts a, a gassy bog. Jenkin Pog's uh, walk through this bog was the first evidence I saw that maybe their minds were being tricked because yeah. he's smelling the gas despite being in a spacesuit. Yeah, and for Zero's scene to occur first doesn't really give us any sort of foothold on what might be happening here, but that Pog is situated in and around things that he so clearly loves, yeah. like definitely set off my personal alarm bells. I love the taking off of the helmet and using it as a soup ladle <laughs> slash bowl was maybe my favorite part of the episode. I love that take. Ah, one bite can't hurt, right? Very like World War II war movie, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Rock Talk picks up a little bunny-like life form on a tricorder, and uh, and before long, there's like a swarm of these bunnies. Yeah, Rock Talk's tricorder is saying that this is not a life form. It's not reading as a life form. And I was like, at this point in the episode, my theory was they are in the holodeck and Hollow Janeway is like testing them or running some kind of simulation to determine skill sets or something like that. I definitely had the same thought. This is mostly just a scene about Rock Talk getting uh, overwhelmed by cute fuzzy bunnies. The bunnies are momentarily horrified by Rock Talk's mouth. And then I could definitely tell that this was either a hollow creation or some evil alien presence because they were able to get over that so quickly. <laughs> yeah, you see one of them fill its mouth with chunder and then like kind of gulp it back down. <laughs> yeah. And like push through and like and like really sell that it, it it wanted to be cute and cuddly. If anything the zero scenes here were confusing instead of additive to the quality of what the planet's doing. Cuz I didn't really get how a warp core in the middle of the hedge maze would be Zero's dream come true, you know? Yeah. Was it just because that thing looks a lot like Zero in design? It's a sphere with a bright light coming through a window in the middle? Oh. You think there's an attraction there between Zero and the core? Zero's like, 
a tax documents folder in real life. Zero removes the metal hand and <laughs> attaches just a, a pole with rabbit attachment. What is it doing down here? Uh, Dell just just having a great time hot dogging all over the planet's surface, but has to pull over and stop when he sees two members of his own species facing away from him, taking in a pretty view, and he's creeping up to them when Hollow Janeway appears behind him. It can't be her, though, right? Because just moments ago, Hollow Janeway said that she could not leave the ship to go on this away mission with them. Yeah. So Dal is suspicious in a way that seems out of character. Like, he's actually put this together fairly early. That, yeah. that maybe those aren't his parents and this isn't Hollow Janeway. It doesn't seem possible that uh, Janeway's on the up and up here. And uh, we start to get some cuts that show like the backside of the parents and stuff. And uh, we see that the, it's all tendrils, man. <laughs> it's tendrils all the way down. When fake Janeway gets angry, this is legitimately scary. Like, the way yeah. her voice changes, the way the tendrils come out. We can protect you, but you have to stay. As scary as anything has been on this children's show, I would say Angry Janeway is here, especially because she's established as someone to trust and an authority figure. I really wonder how that's going to hit for a kid of a certain age. Yeah, the lighting changes too. Like, she's kind of lit from below in yeah. that, like, flashlight under the chin kind of way. Right. Uh, Dal yeah, has to shoot her. Yeah. Just fucking wastes her. Yeah. And that's when the planet starts to fight back. Yeah, this is really the moment where the vines become the enemy now. And uh, it's at this point that Dal blows in a call to the ship to warn the rest of the crew. But Gwyn is the only one on the ship, and she ignores the call the way her father should have ignored hers. And the cat's in the cradle in the silver spoon. <laughs> when you're coming home, Dal, I don't really care. Gwyn cannot coax the ship into orbit because these vines are just holding the ship down. Yeah, this thing is, uh, is gripping onto her skid. <laughs> This is why you and, don't want to uh, skid on a starship. Dal realizes that there's an emergency and he's like sp speeding around in his car trying to pick everybody up. First person he gets is Zero. He does that cool move where the car skids in sideways <laughs> and uh, Zero is uh, taken away and Zero begins immediately to theorize that this is kind of a Venus flytrap planet. It's, it's like drawn them in. Uh, made them believe that uh, there are lots of good things uh, to make them uh, want to stay, and it's actually going to eat them up. This is the moment of this episode that we've gotten in every episode of Prodigy, which is uh, Zero telling us what they're doing. <laughs> this is the episode recap. The expo dump from Zero. Yeah. Becoming a bit of a trope. Uh, they go collect... Uh, Rock Talk, who is under a bunch of dirt and tendrils. The scene especially disturbing because that dirt is like falling into her mouth yeah. when she's still under the sway of the tendrils. I'd like to alter my opinion about the scariest part of this episode and say <laughs> Rock Talk buried up to her mouth 
is the <laughs> most frightening image in this entire episode. I, I, if only she had been like buried upside down in the quicksand, <laughs> I would have been more liable to rescue her. But yeah, uh, yeah as it is. And uh, Rock talks asleep during this too, which I found interesting. Like they, yeah. like Zero wakes her up with a rock to the head. And uh, maybe even grosser still is what Jankum Pog has going into his mouth when they find him. <laughs> Looks like just a big old pile of shit. Yeah, it's gross as hell. I mean, hopefully that's Nutrigoop, but I think it's human shit. I mean, we know new Star Trek is all about eating shit. Admiral eating shit has told us so many times. It's pretty good for shit. It's just unrefined replicator material. If there's one moment this episode that made me feel anything at all, it was Rock Talk's mega sadness about the double cross, like the hopes up and then the hopes dashed of making new friends, of being surrounded by a pile of bunnies that love her. I was affected by Rock Talk's take here. me they were not real rock talk is the beating heart of this show and kind of the like jenkin pog is there for you know comedic release but i feel like dal has been drugged deeper into his hole mm-hmm. in this episode and like this is not an episode about uh, redemption for Dal. I mean, maybe that will come next episode, but maybe maybe this is a, a show about Dal just being like kind of a bad person. I mean, the episode definitely isn't about Pog, who is picked up elliptically, and then they make for the ship right after. And yeah. unfortunately, Gwyn has left the ship. She's using her sword to chop uh, to chop tendrils off the skid when uh, the Diviner pays her a visit. You can't do that. You can't touch feet to the planet surface because all of a sudden you're going to be confronted by something you love or something you're scared of and in the case of the diviner uh he's both yeah i mean i think uh we can all relate to uh, having a dad that makes you get down on your knee and bow to him whenever you see him after a long time oh yeah yeah (laughs) um i think it's weird uh, as hell when your parents come to shows and i'm made to do that yeah well bow down (laughs) when i come to your town adam (laughs) This is a fake diviner. It's just like uh, the fake hollow Janeway and the fake everything else. I definitely see myself in Gwyn in this scene. Always suspicious of someone's kindness. <laughs> uh, she puts it together. Her father would never be this affectionate yeah. to her. Would never be forgiving. And yeah. so she slams the door of the ship and attempts to take off a second time. And this is when... The runaway is speeding back, and they see the ship struggling against these huge tendrils now. And Hollow Janeway is like begging Gwen to to knock it off and and put the ship back down. There's no way that they're going to be able to break free. She has to abandon ship. She has to go get in that fucked up shuttlecraft from the fight scene in the last episode. I thought it was weird as hell that the ship asks Gwen to abandon it. It feels like a very strange reversal of command authority structure on any ship, right? It's usually a person making that decision. Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe goes to alleviate some of my fears around maybe Janeway is trying to trick them into right. flying the ship somewhere. Like, yeah. It seems like Janeway takes Gwen's safety as the first priority here. 
Uh, not Murph's. Nobody's thinking about Murph. The only reason Murph gets saved is that Gwen happens to see Murph in uh, the shuttle bay as she's getting ready to escape. Uh, but, you know, like I think that we've been talking about how is Gwen going to be brought onto the team, made a member of the good guys. Every character in a show like this needs a save the Murph moment. <laughs> it's just too bad that this occurs too late because when Gwen gets on the shuttlecraft, she hears Murph's sounds. And then when she looks out the window, she sees a giant cargo container wobble and then fall. <laughs> and it just skid marks Murph. Like, <laughs> all the way down the shuttle bay. But I thought it was really funny that when she took the permanent marker and wrote an S on one side and then an... She wrote an M and an R-P-H. <laughs> <laughs> the final moment of the episode is the runaway pulling up to the down shuttle. Dal, like basically scolding Gwen for marooning them on this shitty planet. And then they look at the horizon and a huge nuclear fireball erupts uh, where the protostar went down. Yeah. And uh, that's the end of the series. That's all we get. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know how they're going to get 20 episodes when the ship has been destroyed. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't end that way, Ben. No. Probably it's fine and not that badly fucked up i mean what makes you believe that it's a survivable incident for the ship is that it's dust that flies up yeah and not fire <laughs> yeah so we know that the diviner knows where they are and is on his way and we know that they are crizzashed but uh that is, it's kind of a huge cliffhanger that this episode ends on I replayed the very end of this episode a couple of times and like the dun 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 at the end is that they kind of come to in a field of obelisks, but I couldn't figure out if these structures were built or if they were another representation of the planet's yeah. na native life or something. Like rock formations with mushrooms growing on the sides of them or something. You're never supposed to build these in a riverbed, though. Why is that, Adam? Because <laughs> they're destructive to the native environment. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, cairns are bad. Didn't you know that? Shit. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck. But is this episode bad or good? Ben, did you like it? Yeah, I thought this episode was fine. It felt like a very Star Trek-y dilemma. And I guess in a one of the series with hour-long episodes, it would be the setup. And then the rest of the episode would right. be about unwinding this dilemma. Yeah. So I'm still trying to get a handle on what kind of episodes does Prodigy have. Is every episode just like a direct con continuation of the stuff that happened in the last one? Because, you know, it seems like there was quite a bit of passage of time in between the previous episode and this one. But uh, I'm guessing the next one just starts right where this one left off. I don't know. Who's to say? We don't have a screener. What do you think, Adam? Uh, did you like this episode? I thought, unlike the stew that Pog dropped his helmet into i thought this was a little thin but i will say like i'm trying to put myself in the position of a much younger person watching it yeah 
the terror elements of believing you're safe or believing you're going to get the thing that you want and then yeah. having it be a trick or a trap or something cruel is something that I think are some of the worst moments of childhood. And yeah. I thought it was very interesting how early and deep this episode leaned into that kind of theme for a show. And I think maybe if you're sequencing the series, uh, maybe you do want to put this episode up front, if for no other reason than to suggest to a parent that, you know, this this might be for older kids instead of younger kids. You know, if you can't get with this type of theme, maybe what's to come is going to be a little bit more of a rockier road. So yeah, that's what I thought about. I think those are good observations. Do you want to see what's going on in the Priority One inbox, Adam? Also, more observations to be had there. Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on Secured Channel. Ben, our first Priority One message is of a promotional nature. Hey. A promotional message on the greatest discovery. It happens from time to time. It does. I dig it. The message goes like this. Have you ever wondered what happened to Messy Kim's space corpse? (laughs) Or what the Nubbins master plan was all along? Would you believe me if I told you they're all connected to Dyson spheres? Whoa. Maybe you just enjoy the sight of the classic Del Sol. Or the idea of having drinks with Worf. Why not try Star Trek Online? A slightly embarrassing game with tie-ins to all your favorite series. And parenthetically, if an FOD group does not already exist, what this theory presupposes is that throwing some scarves may fix that. I think that there are FOD groups on Star Trek Online. Yeah, I think I think we've gotten messages to that effect. Uh, the call to action here is that uh, they've got a Quarks in there. Come on into Quarks and meet some FODs. Yeah. This is just this message is not officially from Star Trek Online, just an FOD looking for other FODs in the big digisphere. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I mean, you know one person we know is is playing Star Trek Online is uh, Noah Averback Katz, friend That's of the true. friend of the podcast. Yeah. He's on there um, playing it on the Twitch all the time. I've been kind of wanting to get back into that cuz we we started two characters and <laughs> uh, we were kind of like going through the character creation and stuff, but uh didn't didn't get far enough to like really get into the game. I felt like we were still in like tutorial slash setup mode when we. Uh, He's much we further along down. than us. Yeah. Uh, well, Adam, our next priority one message is from Brian, and it is to anybody. It goes like this: My three-year-old recently watched walked in on me watching Lower Decks. She asked to watch it with me. Yikes. Remembering watching TNG with my dad, I said, sure. Two minutes later, Badgie is tearing off a Bajoran's head. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to Prodigy. Thanks for all you do, Ben and Adam. Wow. <laughs> Brian, right back in and, and tell us how the kiddo is doing with Prodigy. We're not seeing heads torn off of Bajoran bodies, but... We're not seeing spread eagle boims. Yeah, uh, sh- showing his taint. <laughs> but we are seeing Murph turned into a skid mark on the floor yeah. of the cargo bay, so strikes and gutters. Well, if you'd like to get a priority one message here on The Greatest Discovery, just head to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron. Uh, we're all booked up for November, it looks like, but if you want to grab one for December, there's still some space available. 
and uh, we could sure use the help. Uh, it's a great way to support this show. Hey, Adam. What's that, Ben? Did you discover yourself in Edward Larkin? It's kind of Dal until it isn't. Uh-huh. And I think this was another episode where it is. I mean, Gwen, I think, comes close to me to becoming the chaos agent of the thing. But Dal is still the one stealing the runaway. Dal is yeah. still the one off doing their own thing. So I think that's where I'm going to land on it. What about you? I was I was very tempted to give it to Jenkum Pog because of being the first character to do a fart joke on the show. And that's great. The you know, the, I think that there is a a trope in in cartoons and kids shows of the think with their stomach character. Mm-hmm. Like kids love a character that just will eat anything. Oh yeah. That is a a rich vein of kid humor and Jankum Pog has uh has fallen into that a couple of times now. But I think you're right. I think it's got to be Dale cuz because that stuff is like, it it almost feels paint by numbers the way it happened with Jenkin Pog this episode. Right. Whereas Dal is like a slightly more interesting version of a character in the kids show. I think Pog contains multitudes though. That's probably true. And I'm excited to meet them. Well, uh, we will meet them one more time uh, next week on the greatest discovery but we will also be covering uh the premiere of season four of discovery that's right it's a big week next week ben when we return to the 32nd century we return to (laughs) admiral your dad's friend who's kind of being overly nice to your mom for some reason (laughs) in a way that makes you uncomfortable yeah and Admiral Saru, right? He gets like, a, yeah. we believe he has gotten upgraded in season four based on uh, early information. Admiral, shoot my photographs up here so that my hands aren't in frame. <laughs> Crop those those meat popsicles out. Yeah. Yeah, maybe in that century they can do something about whatever's going on there on the fingers. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. D-dog dickification surgery has become very popular among Kelpians yeah. in the deep future. Yeah, he, he just wants to fit in. That's his <laughs> arc. <laughs> well, well, we'll be talking about all of it on next week's episode. I'm really looking forward to it. In the meantime, hey, you like credits, right? Oh, yeah. Here they come. You ready? Open wide. Hey, thanks for checking out these episodes of Star Trek Prodigy with us. Besides Rock Talk's terrifying mouth, I think it's been pretty fun to do. Like Ben said, next week we'll be back with the season premiere of Star Trek Discovery Season 4. And I think the start of a new season is a great time to make sure you're supporting the show. So why don't you go to MaximumFun.org join to do just that. You know the deal by now. Adam Ragusea makes our music. Bill Tilly is our chief engineer of social media. At Greatest Trek is the handle on both Twitter and Instagram. Our official social media accounts are supplemented by some great fan-made communities like the Discord at DrunkShimoda.com, the Reddit page r slash GreatestGen, and the many Facebook groups and pages you can find related to the Greatest Gen family of shows. Thanks a lot for listening. See you next week for another episode of The Greatest Discovery.
MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned, audience supported.